0: yeah i uh, I'd like to talk to you today we uh, we've been on a series about heaven and we finished that up last week but i, I want to talk to you today oops, excuse me about this issue of uh, will i have courage when the evil day comes will i have courage when the evil day comes that's on my mind a lot these days am i am i how courageous am i will i will i stand if i'm pressured to vocalize my faith in jesus in the public arena or when I'm forced to. Uh, Will well, I, well, I, well, I side with, uh, with the Lord's side when, uh, when I'm pressured? And I want to talk to you about that today. Um, the Apostle Paul, he actually does talk about this. The, that there are days that come that not every day is evil. But there are days that are evil that eventually come to us. And um, that's why he says this in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, finally, to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And look what he says here. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. Did you know that the devil has schemes against you because you want to love Jesus? So he has your ticket. He has your name, the devil does. And he has schemes. He plans things against you. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So therefore, take up the whole armor of God. There it is again. He said, put on the whole armor of God there in verse 11. Now he says this, 13. So take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done that, then to be able to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Lord, I pray today that as we look at this issue of either, either being courageous or being a coward, that, Lord, that we will think about such things right now when the evil day is not upon us, that we may be prepared and confident, having the whole armor of God upon us and upon our souls, upon our spirits, that we may not falter, that we may be able to stand when the evil day comes. In Jesus' name, amen. This last week, uh, well, I've noticed, I've been noticing, and I don't like to talk about it, but to not talk about it would make me a negligent pastor. Um, I don't know if you have noticed, I'm sure you have, that the battle has changed somewhat in these days. Um, When I first became a Christian back in 1972, my battle was different than it is now with the culture Back in those days, I remember it wasn't, uh, although the culture, of course, wasn't all Christian, there was much more, much, much, much more respectful of Jesus than it is now. Much more. I mean, there was, you weren't, you weren't going to lose your job because you had a Bible on your desk or because you, uh, because you stood up for righteousness. You weren't going to lose your, your work. Um, You weren't going to be taken to court because you wouldn't bake a cake for a homosexual couple. Uh, you those things just didn't happen and you I think that's probably your experience too but the last few years and particularly the last two years since the pandemic things have changed and um I know we kind of live in a burn bubble somewhat. I mean, I'm an outsider, of course. I'm not a burnite, but I talk, I talk to burnites, and so they talk to me about the burn bubble, so it's, I'm not, that's not a criticism. I'm just repeating what they've told me, that, that they, you know, we live in a burn bubble somewhat and thinking that we're, we're kind of, we don't have to worry about that stuff, you know. But you look at even the burn culture, and you can see how things have changed over the last 30 years quite a bit. I, uh, I want to talk to you about that change and talk to you about how that the devil has a new strategy and uh, it 's going to require some new guts on our part. Um, this past week, I was able to uh, attend just, it was an honorable thing, just such an honor to attend the annual Pastors and Christian Leaders Conference in Williamstown, Kentucky at the Ark Encounter in the, Christian, in the Creation Museum. The title for this year was, uh, they always have really good themes, and this year was a really good theme as well. It was called A Culture and Church in Crisis. A Culture and Church in Crisis. It was really encouraging. It was inspiring. It's always good to just go, and I just kind of go and fill my, fill my tank up when I hear these good preachers preaching. And um, It was informative, and it was alarming as well. Uh, life, you know, life is busy for all of us, I, I know, and usually we all have enough problems of our own to be concerned about having to worry about the culture as well. But uh, I understand that. It's, it's kind of like water heaters. No one thinks about their water heater until what? Until it fails, yeah, until the water is on the, you know, your, your floor is flooded, you know. Nobody thinks about storms until what? It 's breathing down your neck, you know there 's one coming across the horizon well uh, women we may, you, you may not think that there 's an issue with and the the culture the causticness of the culture against God or against Christianity, but i 'm here to tell you it 's here, and whether you like to hear whether we like to hear about it or not, we have to face up to it that You know, the water heater's broken. We need to do something about it. And the storm's coming. We need to do something about that. And the culture has changed. We need to educate ourselves and learn about that, exactly what exactly it is, how it's undermining the gospel, how it's undermining the word of God. We, as long as, you know, we kind of have this attitude sometimes, like, well, as long as the world leaves me alone, I'm going to leave it alone. Well, I mean, to tell you, the world is not going to leave you alone. Uh, The devil's not going to leave you alone either. I mean, uh, when, he, when, he ha- when he does leave you alone, guess what? He has no worries about you. And uh, that may be a concern. That's another topic entirely, isn't it? But but um, the thing is, my friends, it, it, it's not going to leave us alone. And it's coming after us. It's coming after our children. It's coming after our grandchildren. If you were to go into to the, and uh, I'm not talking about necessarily maybe burn schools, but I've I, I know what's going on in other public schools. If you were to go in and hear the things that are being talked about, I mean, you would be shocked to know that some of the things that elementary children are being taught and told uh, about, all the way from sex to about race to everything else. I mean, in, I don't know where this this is crazy. Do you remember being in elementary school? Did you have those kind of topics? I was just trying to get, trying to pass English, you know, and and trying to pass, you know, the new math. <laughs> um, in Australia, uh, it is ramped up. The persecution. I've been reading about what's been going on in Australia, but the persecution has ramped up in Australia, making it much, much more difficult to even operate a Christian school. The purpose of whatever is going on there in that, that culture, that anti-God culture there in Australia, that uh, that far-left culture, is this: is that Christians are made in uh, Christian schools. Kids are indoctrinated in Christianity. So they're trying to just make all kinds of difficult rules that basically make it impossible for a Christian school to f- operate there. And they'll begin closing uh, because where it used to be mandatory that public schools in Australia. It, teach the Bible. Of course, now it's, it's anti. It's not allowed anymore to teach the Bible and even in public school in Australia. Um, Christians there are losing their jobs more and more because they won't deny the Word of God as to what it has to say regarding those hot cultural issues like uh, homosexuality and LGBTQ plus agendas and the CRT agenda and environmental stuff the climate change stuff its going on. That's, that, uh, matter of fact, in Queensland, apparently, um, the reason I know some of these things because uh, there was an attorney that was from Australia that was one of our speakers, said in Queensland, it is now hate speech, in the, if the preachers preach against homosexuality, it is considered hate speech. And there's even legislation to say, if you try to convert anybody, from sin, you're not allowed to use the word sin anymore, then you will go to jail. Hmm. It's becoming an illegal act, at least in Queensland there. Isn't it peculiar that no other religious entity is being singled out for condemnation except Christianity? Isn't it unusual? Because as Paul said in Romans chapter 1, and you can read that chapter, and it's just fascinating, we have we have been there before in this uh, past couple years it's it's only god the creator and his stand on righteousness and truth that are the threats to the world that's what god that, that's what paul says it's god as a creator that 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 people have a struggle with today that we don't want to recognize him as a creator and we deny him as a creator and paul says the only thing you can do then is make little gods for yourself and uh, give them your authority, and actually they 're your authority, so you want to deny God as having authority or being the supreme authority and uh, and um therefore since God he demands he requires righteousness righteousness to uh, uh, prevail in society Um, we don't want righteousness we don't want his standards and so we deny him as creator we deny he exists and we set up our own little gods and we make up our own laws and rules that's really what is going on here Um, Jesus told his disciples there are only two groups of people in this world Remember remember what he said? It's those who are for me and those who are against me. There's only two groups. Those who are for me and those who are against me. And in the end, there are only two worldviews. You either see life through God's word. You either see your life. Your worldview is either formed through the principles of God's word or it's man's word. It's made up. It's, it's the man's authority that denies this and sets up its, own, it, its own, own authority. As your pastor, I think one of my biggest concerns today for me and, and for myself and also for you, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, is this huge challenge, this huge challenge that I face, you face, of standing firm. First of all, knowing what's going on and then being able to see the evil in it and then standing firm against it. You know, I know you might say, Pastor, I don't want to know about that stuff. My friend, you must know about it. You must know about it if you're gonna be able to stand against the evil day because it is coming against you. It's influencing your grandchildren. It's influencing the people in your lives. You gotta know how the devil is attacking uh, people's lives today and it's happening through the culture. You know, um, are we courageously courageously holding on to the Word of God in this culture that is so fever-bent on suppressing the ultimate truth? And that's what Paul says in Romans 1, that the goal of of any society that denies God as creator and also no longer wants to uh, support righteousness is their goal is to suppress the truth, suppress the ultimate truth. That is, suppress the Word of God. Suppress it. The words of the apostle are more apropos than ever, aren't they, here in, in, here in Ephesians? You know, so finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, notice Paul informs us here that we need to be ready to stand. We need to be ready to stand. Um, we're being given that opportunity now. Uh, if, you know, so far we, we're, none of us have been put in jail yet, but that doesn't mean that that day is not coming. Uh, you might, you might say, that'll never happen, Pastor. Oh, I wouldn't. You be, better be careful about saying those kind of things. You better be be uh, doing the things that are necessary now to put on that armor of God. You know, what is the nature of the cultural-spiritual battle that is raging around us? You know, some Christians aren't aware that, uh, that there is a battle. That's a sad, sad reality. They're, they're so caught up in their own little world, their own little private world, that they, they don't even know what's going on around them. But uh, that, that's sad. But notice that the nature of this warfare is... Is, is not so much our attack against evil. It's, Paul's not saying, this. no, we're not on the attack against evil. It's just the other way. We're, we're warding off. We're, we're foiling the devil's attempt to defeat us. This is an attack upon Christianity. It's not us trying to attack the world. It's coming to us. It's attacking us. That's what Paul is telling us here. The forces of evil on the earth have been, have been so offended by the gospel of Jesus Christ that they're bitter. There's bitterness and there, there's hatred against the truth of God. That's what the world hates, loved ones. If I could just, nah, this just needs to be so drilled into our hearts that it's this word, it's this book that the world hates it hates us because this is the revelation of the Creator. These are the principles. These are the these are the you know the the uh, the laws and the and the the uh, standards of righteousness that God gives us that are from His heart that that matter to Him. And uh, putting on the whole armor of God, um, you know, it 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 indicates for us putting on the whole armor of God indicates that it really these are not fun and games. Uh, or you know what it's not a time for a, a misguided f- focus of trying to just maintain the status quo in your life of just trying to keep the same old same old in our churches or rather it's it's a renewed commitment to prioritizing the word in our lives every piece of the whole armor of god you know what is made up of the word of god we read about the various pieces of armor there you know the belt of truth when you look at those pieces of armor you know, you say, "Well, what is the belt of truth, Pastor? What what is the breastplate of righteousness? What 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 you know? what, what is this helmet of salvation and stuff? What is these shoes, uh, ready to, uh, fitted with the gospel? Uh, what's what's that all about? You know, those are hard things to understand. I want to say, if there is anything uh, I could you know, emphasize to you today, the thing that we need is to be willing to think hard thoughts." To really buckle down and think serious thoughts. You know. To push the push the fluff of what we have been living on, the faith, the fluff faith. It's not gonna stand. It's not gonna stand when the evil comes. You, we have to think we had to be willing right now to think really serious and hard thoughts it's not easy but let me tell you once you start doing it you'll find out the spirit of God is so pleased he anoints you with the ability to comprehend hard thoughts and serious thoughts um, for instance you know the truth let's just look here just, just, just briefly the, the truth the belt of truth what is it the word of God right here What's the breastplate of righteousness? The Word of God. <laughs> it's the commandments of God. What's the, what's, the, uh, what's the gospel of peace? The Word of God. What's, what's this faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. What's salvation? Paul wrote to Timothy here in Second Timothy 3.15 since salvation comes only from the sacred writings which is what? the word of God and what is the word of God? it's also the sword of the spirit you see what Paul is saying? he's saying this is what the culture hates right here this is what the devil hates right here the whole armor of God right there this is the most important book in your life. This is the most important, these are the most important things. And God wants you to uh, uh, put this on. <laughs> these are the things that will protect us. These are the things that will guard us against being overcome and deceived by the culture and by, by the evil one, by, by the devil, you see. There's no passage in all the Bible more dramatically teaches the absolute necessity of the Christian's uh, thorough knowledge of of the Word of God is like this. This one. Paul is so thorough. He just covers everything. He said, it's the Word of God you need to be able to stand strong in the evil day. Um, We don't want to neglect it. He says, um, you know, not having it, we're naked, barefooted, bareheaded, and helpless <laughs> if we don't have it. The, the Word of God helps us to think in serious and hard thoughts. I, I've asked God to help me. I, it's a good prayer to pray. Say, oh, God, I need help today. Uh, sometimes when you've got so many things happening in your life and you want to be faithful and try to take care of you know, your family and everything, you want to say, oh, God, help me not to neglect serious thoughts, hard thoughts. I mean, not to get so busy doing everything that I forget about my soul. You know what I mean? Where I, I, I neglect the hard things. I remember one time hearing a, a general superintendent uh, in the Wesleyan Church. Um, I don't remember the occasion that he preached this message, but it was, uh, uh, his, his name was Earl Wilson. And he got up and his opening comment was this. He said, you know what the number one job of a general superintendent is? And everybody's waiting to, you know, you're thinking of all the all the things that they have to do. And he said, is to make sure that his soul is saved. Wow. Of all the things we have to do. All the things there are to do. The number one thing we need to make sure that the devil doesn't defeat us on is to always make sure that we're clear with the Lord that we're right that our faith is we have a clear conscience with God that that we are walking in his light that we're thinking his thoughts that we're growing in in him and I know it gets stressful but his grace his grace is there it will help us we have to be determined determined to follow him um, first Peter uh, P- Peter says this here he says um, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of the Lord so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And then he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, to to, to devour, excuse me, and resist him. Stand firm in your faith. A.W. Tozer used to say that um, While the scriptures instruct us to be in our guard against the devil, because he's like a he's like a merciless roaring lion ready to kill. You know, you you ever see these shows where lions are just killing for the sake of killing? Um, You know, they're just ready to kill. Um, So he he commented. He said, so many of the Christians in his day seemed to have spiritual lives that were a mile wide and an inch deep. They were a mile wide. They were doing all kinds of things, but their thoughts were about an inch deep. He said their thoughts were so shallow that they never got into lion territory. <laughs> the devil was never even concerned about them because they never thought deep thoughts anyway about Jesus. Tell you, I I'm, I'm willing to go into lion territory. How about you? I want the devil to be worried about me i want to be I want to be worrisome to him, oh boy, he'll come against us i know but but uh we are given the word of God to stand against him amen um, He would say that the christians of his his day this was tozer back in the back in the fifties and sixties he would he would say uh He said that their lack of zeal, people's lack of passion to pursue the depths of God's word, it, pro- it prohibited them from getting into lion territory. Again, you might want to say, Pastor, what do you mean by serious and hard thoughts? Love ones, I-, I guarantee you that if you become more serious about putting God's word in your life, if you become more serious about reading this book more than just once a week or opening up just on a sun- Sunday morning, you become more serious about really making this word the foundation of your life, serious thoughts will come. God will help you. Hard thoughts will come. We mustn't just read the Bible once a week. It's, that, that's not serious. That's not sincere. Uh, we have to read it, uh, you know, with, with passion. The kind of passion, won't, won't, that, that, the kind of, Passion to read the Bible once a week is not the kind of passion that's going to stand in the evil day, Lord. Uh, my, I'm telling you, the lack of understanding of righteousness is going to kill us. If we don't understand what righteousness is, we don't understand what God's law is, what truth is. If we don't understand that, the devil is just going to kill us. The breastplate of righteousness is going to be ripped off of us, and we won't be able to stand. I'm sure you've noticed that since the COVID pandemic um, particularly cultural forces have been really becoming more bold to try to just snuff out um, the truth of God's word in our culture. It's, it's getting tougher. Um, we have some laws that protect us uh, more than they do in Australia, but but godly uh, godliness and righteousness and wholesome principles, they have been uh, naturally assumed in our country since the founding of our nation. And now they're questioned, even mocked by unbelievers. And yes, Can I tell you, even believers are questioning God's word. I mean, people, scholars in conservative um, universities, you'd be surprised, uh, doubting the book of Genesis, chapters 1 to 11, doubting the account of Adam and Eve. Um, It's amazing. Um, Listening to them talk, they talk about how that, they say, well, what the Bible really teaches about homosexuality, is that if we take this word and we turn it upside down and twist it inside out, this is what it says. They're doing these semantics with, with Bible words that are they're trying to uh, do this in order to accommodate sin and make it less caustic and more acceptable in our culture, um, which has been endeavoring to, to um, make up laws and procedures to create Lawlessness. Um, the Bible in Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus said, "In the last days, it will be there will be an increase in false teaching about God's word and lawlessness." Recently, Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, you might have seen this billboard all over California. Governor Newsom he uh, used these billboards across California to promote abortion, to promote it using scripture. Particularly the words of Jesus. That's hard to see there. It's the best picture I could get for you. But the billboard has a young girl with a distraught countenance and reads this: "Need an abortion? California is ready to help. Learn more at abortion.ca.gov." Quote: "Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these." Unquote. Mark twelve thirty one. Paid for by Newsom for California Governor twenty twenty two. Using God's word to try to support something wicked see that, that's the culture I know that's you might not have seen that before but this is what's coming to us trying to say hey we're, we, can, we can bring God down to our level we'll bring him down to our level to try to use his word to accomplish what we want that's what I mean by twisting God's word and so that it it supports evil wickedness there's also, uh, there's false teaching courses. Lots of false teachers today that are just on the rise. But uh, there's, uh, but it's, Jesus said, so there also will be an increase in lawlessness. You know what lawlessness is? Lawlessness is this. It's those restraints to sin will be broken and people will have no fear of breaking the law and no fear of God. Have we seen a lawlessness in our country the last couple of years? Wow, people aren't afraid because there's no law. There's no there's no forces to restrain them from doing what they want to do. Because of this, the hearts of many, Jesus said, because of lawlessness, many, not all, but many of the followers of Jesus, listen to this. This is these are Jesus' words. The love of many will grow cold toward God. I think it's because they don't know. Because God's word not the center of their life. Because they're ignorant. They don't think hard thoughts. They don't think serious thoughts about God. So, therefore, they're deceived easily, and their love for Jesus becomes cold in a lawless, in an environment where everything is okay to do. But we're, we're afraid to say fornication is a sin. We're afraid to say adultery is wrong. We're afraid to say, well, let's you know this next thing. Uh, even uh, church leaders. I got this straight from the horse's mouth from one of my friends up in Michigan. He said he couldn't believe it. He said at their district conference, that tells you right now, it's a Wesleyan thing, isn't it? At their district conference, the, uh, the leaders in conference, I kid, kid you not, were teaching them Marxist ideology. You say, how'd they do that? By having them re- repeat the mantra of critical race theory at district conference saying that forever they will need to repent of being white at a district conference that forever there's no one repentance you'll, you know, because you're white you'll have to just remain guilty and repent all the time of being white because of your racism in your life that undermines the gospel, doesn't it? That un- undermines the word of God. That's, that's just a Marxist ideology. You know, and shockingly, that, that has been happening. Um, I have heard of pastors and Christians angry over the Supreme Court overturning a Roe v. Wade. Pastors actually supporting abortion up to 23 weeks of pregnancy, although scripture and science verify that uh, we become human at conception. Isn't that amazing? What's happening in these days? Um... These are holiness churches. Corporations like Walmart and Christian, de, Christian de, uh, de, denominations getting on the bandwagon, all playing the same tune, teaching critical, uh, critical race theory. You say, Pastor, what's that? Yeah, you see, we need to think hard thoughts. It's, hard. it's a complicated thing, but it's basically something that is uh, wanting to uh, control you and undermine the Word of God in your life. Um, all these ideas of equity and wokeism and, and uh, um, you know, basically, again, undermine the gospel. You may have read the article this past week about the professor in the University of Southern Maine whose students wanted her replaced because she said there are only two sexes that exist. This is a, prof- this is a university. She said there's only two sexes, according to to biology, that exist. The report states that a heated discussion began over gender identity, and only one student in the class agreed with the professor. Most of the others in the class stated that a spectrum exists for gender and biological sex. So therefore, there are many genders. I can't remember how many they have now. It's it's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, And these Apparently, these students said that they don't identify as what they call binary, which means there's only two. They are non-binary. They they can be anything they want. They don't identify as a a man. Maybe a man uh, sexually, biologically, but he identifies as a woman. And women are doing the same thing. Reportedly, 1,806 people signed a petition stating that the university must support the professor and the biological fact. This is encouraging. This is what they said. They wrote this petition to the, to the leaders of the university. A university that cannot teach facts because students find them too hard to handle is useless as an educational institution. <laughs> I say amen to that. <laughs> amen to that. <laughs> they said, oh, we hope you will not. I mean, we, 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 we encourage you and to stand firm and do not dismiss this professor but rather issue a public statement to the effect that she will neither be replaced nor required to stop stating the fact that sex and humans is binary. <laughs> Let me close here. But I, I know uh, it's easier. Oh, how I know it's, it's easier to live in a bubble thinking that we're safe from this culture And it won't cross our boundaries. Uh, It's going to leave us alone. Well, it won't. It's already seeping into the burned community because the world will always seek to suppress the truth of righteousness everywhere. God's righteousness exists, and that means us. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Did you notice the order there? Paul said the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Notice that. That first you have to dethrone God as being God. So, and then you change righteousness or you deny righteousness. So Paul was right. He said first what culture has done is they denied God as the creator and then they've changed all the rules, all the principles of morality that God says is right. Yeah. And we sadly, we're seeing this escalate in our culture right now. So what, what kind of people does God expect us to be? What, what kind does did God want us to be, even as we see our culture go into overdrive, pushing to stomp out or suppress the truth? And that's what's happening, suppressing the truth, putting out, snuffing out the truth. By the way, the Lord encourages us that although we are seeing dreadful days ahead, Revelation chapter 11 is always a great encouragement to me, that as... Apostle John sees the great fight between righteousness and wickedness, between the devil and God's people, happen not, well, not just now but throughout history. He said there's two witnesses that that appeared. And these two witnesses were God's voice. And the world finally killed them. The beast killed them. But three days later they rose up. God raised them up. I'm always encouraged by that because those witnesses, according to church history, has always encouraged the church. Those witnesses are, first of all, the thing that cannot be destroyed is the Word of God. Is the first witness. Just when the world thinks it has it smashed, has it snuffed out, suppressed, it pops up again. Like a bobber you're trying to hold under the water. It always pops up, you know. Amen. Isn't that encouraging? Yeah, even though it may be suppressed for a while, it's going to pop up again. But the other one is the church. The church, every time the world thinks it has it stamped out. Those people are God. We've got to shut them up. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll throw them. In. We'll, we'll, first, we'll take away their jobs. Then, hey, are they teaching their kids at home? Are they teaching their kids Christianity? We'll take their kids away. That's happening. We'll take their children away. The state can teach their children better than, than the parents can. You know, and uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll close the churches. they can't do it i mean it'll that god's word pops back up and his church is always resurrected i'm encouraged by that revelation chapter 11 read it it's very very encouraging but how do we find courage to stand in these days let me close with this the opposite of courage is well courage is confidence in god's word but the opposite of courage is what it is cowardice to shrink back the Bible talks about having courage and, and being cowards as well. So we're called, in the book of Hebrews, which is a fantastic book, the whole purpose of the writer there is that there were Christians who were starting to f- shrink back from the pressures of Jewish society. They were trying to convince them to go back to the Old Testament ways. And they were really being putting the screws to them, these new, these new, new believers. And the writer was saying, stand firm and uh, have courage and courage, again, comes from when we have confidence in God's word. See, if you don't know God's word, if, you, if, you're, if you're not connected to the Lord through his word, because these are his letters to us, if you're not connected, if, you, if the Holy Spirit isn't dynamic in your life where you're saying, I believe his promises, these promises are living, they're living promises to me, then you're, you're going to be afraid. You're going to be a coward. You're going to shrink back from the world. You're going to shrink back from its assault. You won't be able to stand firm and say, no, man, You can kill me, you can do whatever you want with me, but I'm going to stand firm on the truth. The confidence comes when we have the word of God in our life. The cowardice comes when we don't, we shrink back. And that's exactly what the writer says here with this last verse. He says, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by my righteousness, one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. So the Lord calls us to be courageous I mentioned to you before that that's my that's my big challenge is Lord I, I want to be courageous I don't want to be ashamed of you in any way the Apostle Paul said I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God and salvation amen I don't want to be ashamed of the gospel in any way I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus and when the time comes to stand I want to be willing to, you know, I have to stand alone I'll, I'll stand alone I want to have that courage to say no this is wrong the emperor is naked you know? I want to say no that is wrong to teach that, that is, and yes homosexuality is not God's plan for your life no, you know, no there's only two genders I want to be able to stand I, I want us as a church to stand that, uh, that way God will be pleased with us and I tell you there's nothing like having God pleased with you you know, remember when you, when your parents were pleased with you? How good it felt? Oh, you know, it felt so good. You remember when it felt when they were displeased with you? Mm-hmm. How awful that was? Well, I'll tell you, when you stand on God's word, when you, His word, you obey it, and it's just the center of everything in your life, you can have a confidence that He's pleased with you. So... That's how we have the courage when this evil day comes that is coming. You all right? (laughs) Amen. Let's stand together. As we close today... If you would uh, like to come forward and pray, if anyone just needs to make a fresh commitment to the Lord, of uh, to the Word of God in their life, of, of uh, maybe you've been kind of neglecting it. or Not that you you don't hate it. You don't want to rebel against God. But maybe it's just life's been so hectic and crazy that... And it's kind of like loved ones. We all get so busy. Sometimes we forget to eat, you know. you get And then all of a sudden you think, boy, I can hardly walk anymore. Well, it's because you haven't eaten, you know. So all the excuses in the world will eventually catch up with you. And uh, all the excuses in the world by ne- you know, for neglecting God's word, it eventually catches up with us. Maybe that might be an issue for you. You just need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I need to repent of that. And Like P.D. is saying, like make your word more of a priority in my life that I might think serious and hard thoughts that matter. Well, Lord, as we leave today, as we... Exit this place. I pray that if anyone needs to come and pray. That they will come. And and uh, just kind of re reconnect. Re, um, re, uh, make a, a fresh statement. Uh, to you. To, to themselves. About their their need for the word of God in their life. The confidence of, of trusting in you with it. I pray that that will happen. But I pray that as we leave this place too. Throughout the day. We might think of what. Uh, your spirit has been speaking to us about this morning and we just won't leave here and then just kind of the it kind of evaporates into the air but i pray that lord will think about this even tomorrow as we're working even tomorrow as we're going about our tasks that we'll think about the importance of the word of god in our life that we would be able to take it in to, to use it as a as a to uh, adhere it to our life to our souls as a as a belt of truth and a breastplate of righteousness, Lord, of all those different pieces of armor that make up your word. I pray that we will just commit ourselves to doing it. And that, Lord, our lives will change, too, that when we will, we will be done with mediocre Christianity, with, with lukewarm stuff, that we will be on fire for Jesus. Well, we pray, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, and again, pray you'll keep us in your loving care and in your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and be sure to encourage someone today. Tell someone you're praying for them, eh? And then do it.